Welcome back to On the Wild, episode number 54. I'm Anuj Basker. With me, as always, Riley Keenan. The Super Bowl matchup is set, and it's one that no one would have predicted at the beginning of the season, except maybe us with the Rams. You know, we've been on the Rams all year, but on the AFC side of it, the Cincinnati Bengals are going to the Super Bowl for the first time in, what, 31 years since they they played the 49ers um, and lost, but... Wow, what a weekend! Uh, what a game! We're gonna we're gonna break down both games and kind of preview the Super Bowl a little bit. We're gonna do that next week as well. We have a very special guest lined up for that, but kind of just go over the games um, and look at all four teams and the Niners and and uh, the Chiefs as, as well. Just looking at like what they can do going forward. But uh, we just started off with the AFC Championship game because that 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 came first. Uh, what did you think of the game and, you know, what were your key takeaways from the Bengals victory? I mean, another phenomenal NFL playoff game. We haven't been short of those this season. It's, I mean, we, I think a lot of people talked about this as like the prime of football right now. It's, it's peaking. Like every single game has it been is. incredible. But for this one, I mean, that whole first half, it was Mahomes rolling and, you know, you couldn't stop the Chiefs until those last, uh, you know, that last possession. They had scored in the first three. You know, Burrow was having a lot of trouble in the pocket, getting pressured quickly as we knew he was going to. Obviously, he was only sacked, I think, once in the game, which was a bit of a surprise. But the Chiefs go up big early. It's tough for Cincinnati to do anything. But both of us were texting when this was happening. And, you know, the Chiefs had the ball at the end of the first half, and they were going to get the ball in the second half. This was the game. Like, in my my view, this was the game. Because if the Chiefs score there, obviously they're up 28 to 3, or 28 to 10 now. And then they get the ball back and another chance to score. And they're hot off scoring a touchdown and going four straight. So that stop by the Bengals, I think, saved the game for them because it, it took the momentum away from the Chiefs going into the second half. And then they were able to stop them once again, which was absolutely massive. And then that started their push throughout the rest of the game. So if you want to call it a TSN turning point, you can. But, uh, you know, Hendricks, Hen- Hendrickson and Hubbard were huge to keep the ball out of the end zone there. And then another thing I look at was Tyree Kill there at the end of the first half. He had a chance to get into the end zone. He's such a dynamic player and so talented, so quick and very agile. Sometimes I think he does a little too much, you know, trying to make That's the true. extra move or trying to make a spin move. I think in that situation, he if he just you know put his head down and tried to ram into the end zone, I think he would have got it. Instead, he tried to do a spin move and he got absolutely rocked. You even see get it in. when you even see it like on just regular catches. He'll catch it and kind of move back. Yeah, he is, he is so athletic. He is so fast that most of the time he'll be able to get around defenders. But you know, at times like that. No, I wouldn't. I wouldn't have even caught the ball. I would just knocked it down because you only have two yeah. seconds. You had five exactly. seconds to begin with, so it, it was kind of a, a tough call. Yeah, to at least get out of there with a field goal would have been good. And and you can see it later in the game in the, in the fourth quarter when they need to tie the game. They're marching down the field. It's 20, 25 yard pass to Tyreek on the sideline, and he gets there, and he's got three guys around him, and instead of just running out of bounds right away, he's still looking to make a play when he's literally cornered. So sometimes I think he just needs to settle which is, is hard to do when you're such a talented and prolific player, but at times it's just, it's necessary. But yeah, what did you, uh, what were some of your takeaways from the game? That's crazy. I was cheering for when the, when the, when the Chiefs went up 21 to three, I started to cheer for the Bengals. because I was like, I wanted a good game. I wanted, you know, a nip and tuck, you know, back and forth shootout. And then when the Bengals tied it up or took the lead, I started cheering for the Chiefs again. I don't know. I don't know what's wrong with me, but. Um, but my key takeaway was that, like what I said against against Tennessee, Joe Burrow doesn't get rattled. No matter what yeah. is going on in the game, he doesn't 
he's never out of it. Um, and that this Bengals team um, obviously succeeded all expectations, but they're for, they're for real. Like they weren't like the, like Burrow said it, like they're not the underdogs. They're not like yeah. they're, they're the underdogs again in the Super Bowl, but I really think it's going to come down to the wire in that game. Um, and on the Chiefs side, like you can't collapse like that. Like I feel like the Chiefs kind of blowing that lead is kind of getting um, kind of overshot by the fact that the Bengals are in the Super Bowl for the first time in 30 years. But yeah. the Chiefs blew that game. Um, you come out in the second half, you I don't even I think they had like 16 total yards of net yards. Um, you can't do that in this magnitude of a moment when you've been there before. Like yeah. they've been, this is their fourth AFC championship in a row, all in Arrowhead, uh, a chance to go to your, their third Super Bowl in a row, and you come out that flat in the second half with a chance to go to the Super Bowl. Like I, I don't understand how that could happen. You also have to credit the Cincinnati defense because they played outstanding in the second half, two yeah. interceptions on Mahomes in, in the second half in overtime. Um, and kind of just controlled Kelsey Hill. Like, I feel like the Chiefs should have leaned on their run game a little bit more. Um, but also, this is kind of a thing with Andy Reid as well. Like, he kind of has a history with with losing leads. The the famous one is the one against Indianapolis. Remember that playoff game? And I forget what, what year it was in Indianapolis. They're up like 35 to 10 or something like that. And, and Andrew Luck brought them back. But I don't know. They, the Chiefs just need to just know the situations, use your running backs like Jerry McKinnon, uh, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, who who played great this whole postseason as a tandem. Um, use them to get it done and, you know, finish them out. Didn't do that. But you also just have to credit the, the Bengals for getting it done. Yeah, I think a lot of it came down to – I don't think the, the Chiefs coasted at all. I think they were still – you know, they were still pushing the ball downfield but they didn't adapt. And, the, and and it was a lot like the Super Bowl last year where they were just getting so much pressure and they couldn't get the ball off. And Mahomes said, you just run rampant. And that was the whole second half for the Chiefs again. And they, they didn't change the system up. They kept throwing medium to long passes. At that point, when you're getting pressured so fast, you know, Hill and Kelsey are the perfect guys to just run short routes and get quick throws to. Even Hardman or Pringle themselves, like all, like they, they got such quick wide receivers on this team that are good route runners. They should have adapted their offense to this Bengals defense, because like you said, Hendrickson Hubbard, that defensive line was stopping them on every single third down possible. And they just couldn't, they couldn't move the chains. And like you said, using McKinnon and Hilaire, I think Hilaire was over five yards per carry. McKinnon was over five yards per carry. And they had combined, I think 18 rushes for the game. When you're up 21 to 10 going into the second half, you got to be running the ball. Like it's like crazy. Obviously you don't want to do it to a Browns extent where you just allow them to come back in the game, but you got to have a good little back and forth. And they were just throwing the ball far too much. And Mahomes was efficient, but you know, the Bengals were able to start reading those plays and they just, they couldn't make those plays happen on third down. And it really, it really hurt them. And all year they've been seeing cover two defense um, ever since the Super Bowl last year, that's kind of like the, the blueprint on how to beat the chiefs. And we saw it in the first half of the season, they were three and four um, through seven games. And as the season went on, you saw Mahomes starting to get more patient with the ball, throwing the checkdowns, not forcing it down the field. And then in the second half of that game, when the Bengals started to come back, you kind of saw that Chiefs team again where they were always looking for the big play and Mahomes was trying to do yeah. too much rather than just taking the taking the short play, getting your 10 yards, moving the chains, and continuing the drive. He was, I felt like he was trying to get the big play every play, which yeah. 
I get it. You have the players to do that, but when your teams are game planning against you to specifically to take that away. So just take what they're giving you and keep moving forward. Yeah. They were, like the Chiefs really needed to take a page out of that Bengals playbook there because in that second half, a lot of those Bengals plays were just dumping it off to the running backs. Perrine and Mixon, I think, had combined 70 yards on receiving. And just obviously Chase is getting double teamed a lot of the game, which opened up Higgins and obviously Uzuma went down early. Hopefully he'll be back for the Super Bowl. But it allowed a lot more guys to get involved, whereas the Chiefs, it seemed like they were forcing a lot of plays to the same people. You know, Chase wasn't a big factor this game. Obviously, he gets a touchdown over, you know, 50 yards. But it was Higgins that was the man that continuously they were able to get balls to it. And it was – there were short passes, but his yards after catch were incredible, which is what and we, we saw know the Bengals are able to do. We saw that last week with, Gabe, with Gabriel Davis. Yeah. Stephon Diggs had a quiet day. Chase obviously had a better game than, than Diggs did. But Gabriel Davis is the one who, sh- who shined. You know, he had yeah. 200 yards, four touchdowns. T. Higgins didn't have that, but he had over 100 yards. And he was kind of like the go-to target uh, today, yeah. so or on Sunday. Mm-hmm. And I think a lot needs to be said because you know, I've said it enough about you know that Bengals secondary isn't all that great. Obviously, there's a lot of potential there, but they showed it in this game, especially in the second half. Wuzier and Eli Apple played incredible. That that pick in overtime. I mean, the amount of tipped interceptions this year, or at least in these playoffs, have been crazy. Obviously, we saw it in the Rams Niners game, but in overtime here, I know. I know, you know, Josh Allen, I feel bad for all those Buffalo fans. When that coin toss went to the Chiefs, that was a heartbreaker. You know, everyone was feeling the same thing. Yeah. As soon as the yeah. Chiefs won the toss, he just, he just tweeted pain. Pain, yeah. yeah. Poor guy. I'm sorry. And, and hey, it, I really did think it was over then and there. I thought the Chiefs were going to be able to march down the field. Obviously, an unfortunate tip, a great play, but to get the interception. And then the Bengals were able to just move the chains and play smart football, not give it away. The one thing I will say is, you know, we talked about OT rules last week, and it's been a big discussion. This is where, you know, I'm not a huge hater of the rules. I do think each team should get a chance. However, this this game proved why these rules do work. Because, yeah, if you get the ball first and you score a touchdown, the game's over. But if you get stopped, all the other team now needs to do is kick a field goal. They don't even right. need to score a touchdown. So it is there is a balance there yeah. of, you know, you know, you, you have to make the stop, but then there's not as much we got to do on offense. Whereas defensively, it's like, okay, we couldn't score now. Now we got to keep these guys off our side of the 50. And that creates a huge dilemma. So I do, I don't hate the rules. I, I like them. I think they can be better, but yeah, this, this game did prove where there is a balance to it. Yeah. But looking at the chiefs specifically, what do you think they need to do going forward to, to get back for the fifth straight year? I think they definitely need to improve upon their offensive line again. They did they did really? this season, but I think maybe another another piece because, you know, there still is so much pressure there. But I think – I don't know. I don't think there's a lot – offensively, there's not a lot of pieces they need. I think they can maybe go out and get a receiver because, obviously, Pringle and Hardman are great, but I don't think they're – you know, I wouldn't want them as my number two and three guy, maybe three and four. Um. But I think it's the defensive side of the ball. They got to they got to fix the secondary. That was a big problem in this game, and maybe take a look at. I, I don't know if you need to look at the coaching staff, but just the play calling and just obviously you guys are a great play calling team, but you have to be able to adapt late in games. What do you think? Yeah, I don't think the play calling will change because I think Bianami and Andy Reid are kind of proven at this point. Uh, Bianami specifically, because you know he he's the one who calls the plays. Uh, I think, like you said, yeah, situationally, he can get a little bit better, but I think I think he's good. Um, 
but yeah, defensively, I think I think the pri- their priority should be signing their their own guys first. Um, Orlando Brown, who they traded for last offseason from the Ravens, they traded a first round pick for him. He's a free agent this year. I think locking him up would be should be their main priority on the left as their left tackle. So get him signed. Uh, Tyron Matthews also a free agent. I know there's some like unsurety about him, um, but I would try to sign him back uh, on a shorter term deal because he is getting a little bit older. Um, I think he's around 30. I'm not too sure exactly what his age is, but besides from that, I think, yeah, I think getting a number two receiver is a huge priority in free agency. Somebody like a, like a Juju Smith-Schuster, um, maybe even yeah, somebody Allen like Robinson. A, Allen Robinson, Christian Kirk even. Oh, yeah. Um, Got from Arizona when when Hopkins went down, he became kind of like the the one A or one B to to AJ Green. So I think he'd be a good fit um, as a number three target behind uh, Hill and Kelsey. Um, and other than that, I think just improving the pass rush as well. Um, like they have about thirty million dollars in cap space. I don't know how because they I swear, I swear they're paying everybody, but um, with the cap going up, like it kind of makes sense, but. Just improving that defense, just adding depth to that defense. I feel like they're pretty top heavy, um, with with Chris Jones and Tyron Matthew and Nick Bolton, who um, who broke out this this postseason. But I think getting another corners is, is very important. I think like they were they were very close to getting Stephon Gilmore at the at the trade deadline. He's a free agent. If you can go get him, you know it's kind of wishful thinking. We're just throwing stuff out there, but yeah, yeah. I think just adding depth to the defense and signing their own guys should be good enough to at least get them into the get them deep into the playoffs. Um, but you know Buffalo's gonna be there. Cincinnati's gonna be there. It's gonna be tough next year to to even get to the AFC championship again. But um if they do that, I think I mean they'll have a good as chance as anybody. Yeah. No, I definitely agree. And I, I do want to point out, you know, you mentioned one name, AJ Green. I feel so bad for him. Oh, yeah. Oh, man. You play your entire career in Cincinnati, <laughs> and then the one year you leave, they go to the Super Bowl. And it's not even like a Bryce Harper situation where, like, when he left and the Nationals went to the, the World Series, it was like, you know, good for the Nationals. You know, Bryce Harper, that was a – Because Harper you know, left in his prime. Or like exactly. Prime. Yeah, and the Nationals were, were on the up. Like, they had a lot of young talent, and they knew they were going to be able to make a push soon. So that was a mistake on his part, but – Whereas AJ Green kind of his whole career has been wasted in Cincinnati. And it was kind of like a mutual like parting ways because he wanted to go win. And then and and to be fair though, I I really don't know how he would have worked in this system because he would have been I don't I mean he I wouldn't want to say he's the fourth guy, but he would be the fourth guy. I wouldn't want to play him above Boyd because he's gonna have a lengthy career as a great option and should be a number two guy anywhere else, but you know, with taking some with 2,000 yard receivers ahead of you, it's tough, it's tough to do. And he's so. a better fit in a slot, boy. Yeah. Is, so, exactly. Oh, yeah. He wouldn't have fit. Bye. Mm-hmm. Is there anything you want to touch on before moving on to the uh, NFC? No, I think we're good. Oh, Jamar Chase may be like the best receiver in the NFL. I, I was going to propose, I was going to propose that question during the Rams one because I was saying, is Cooper Cup the best receiver in the NFL? Oh. I, like right now to me, there's a, there's a, I guess I'll look at it from a, a valuability point of view. And like the most valuable. Oh, yeah, I just gassed him. He's not the best receiver in the NFL. I'm sorry. He's not, he's, but he's top five. He's, he's top five. And I'm looking at, when I, I look think. at the most valuable receivers in the NFL, it's in no particular order. Demonte Adams, Cooper Cup, Jamar Chase, Debo Samuel, 
And then the fifth spot is is pretty put, open to a, a Tyreek in there. I yeah, I'd put Tyreek in there. I I can't put D Hop because he hasn't been consistent oh, enough. Obviously he's, he's I mean they're not even in the playoffs. I would put him in there if we're talking about valuable, because that offense just valuable. fell off when he got injured. That is very true. I, yeah. I guess it, in terms of valuable, he would be in top five. And he, I mean he would be best as well, top five. So it's I mean you can't not put him in there. But yeah, I, I think when I think Cooper Cup is the best wide receiver in the NFL right now. He's just he to me, he's the most dangerous in like every single game. He's wide open somehow. Like there were multiple play, obviously against the Bucks. It was remarkable how he was able to get that long pass from Stafford, you know, to, to close the game out. But in this one, that fourth quarter, they could not stop him. He was wide open every single play. And he was his yards after catch is incredible. His blocking and his, you know, his hitting is great. It's up there with any wide receiver in the league. I just there's nothing Cooper Cup can't do. I I think I, I don't think he's the best. I would say Devontae Adams is the best, but yeah, Cooper Cup is the most productive. That's <laughs> a really weird way to put it, but like it's happened before where like for those few years where Antonio Brown was going crazy and Julio Jones, that was kind of the the debate who's better. I yeah. felt always that Julio Jones was better, but it, Antonio Brown was more productive. Mm-hmm. It doesn't really make sense if you think about it, yeah. but like you would, I, I would just rather have Julio Jones than Antonio Brown. I'd rather have mm-hmm. six foot three, two twenty five, who can run a four three in every route, and block. Yeah. Same thing here I with do- Devontae Adams and, and Cooper Cup. I just think if we're just taking, if we're just taking one receiver, I would rather have Devontae Adams because I feel like he can, he can just, he's more valuable down the field like they can both run every route in the route tree i would say that those two are the best two route runners in the nfl and it's not even close it's those two and everybody else mm-hmm. and i just think that adams is a little bit better down the field and that's that's why i would take him i bet yeah. threat down the I, field i even almost looking at like if i have an elite quarterback i would want Devontae adams i think he's the best in the league but if i have a guy that is an average quarterback or even lower to average. I feel like Cooper Cup would be better for that situation, just because. Yeah. I I don't know really know how to put it into words, but I feel like he almost he gives more, like he provides more. Uh, just like you said, he provides production. more to your offense. Yeah, it's production. But I feel like you know, he's more of a guy that he can he can simplify his game a bit to the quarterback, whereas Devontae is just like, I am so far ahead of everybody that I'm just <laughs> gonna get wide open and make a huge play. Whereas Cooper Cup, I feel like is a bit more systematic I guess you can say we know he's an incredibly smart player but Devontae Adams is one of the smartest players I've seen as well so you know it's tough I feel like it's it's whatever you you look for in your guy but those are the two most valuable and the best receivers I think in the NFL and it's not Um, a slight at either one to pick the other it's they're both amazing yeah and for a reason they're they're both so good yeah and before we even touch on on the Rams Niners game then obviously we're talking about receivers I'll bring up Odell here and to preface this, I want to say I have full belief in Odell. Even when he was in Cleveland, I knew it, you know, it wasn't on him. There was just a lot of things there, you know, quarterback, play calling. It, there just wasn't that chemistry. We knew he was going to be able to succeed. But a lot of the narrative now is like, oh, yeah, he is that. He can be that number one guy. We haven't seen him as the number one guy. It's Cooper Cup. Now, I'm not saying he can't be that guy, but he hasn't necessarily proved it. He's proved that he can be a dominant force. And we saw it in that game, getting over 100 yards receiving I think it was seven or eight receptions he can be a baller he hasn't necessarily proved the number one guy yet though that's all I'll say 
Yeah, I agree. Because when you're the number one receiver and you're you're that guy, you have to deal with you have to deal with double coverage. You have to deal with the whole game plan revolving around you. Exactly. Um, and he hasn't done that since he was with New York, or mm-hmm. produced as number one receiver since he was in New York. Yeah. So, and it it definitely does come with having a better quarterback. Yeah, he's a really good. He's as good as a number two can get, I think. Oh yeah, I think. Is he the best number two receiver in football? Yeah, off the top of my head, I, him. I, I, there's Higgins, not... I put I put Higgins up there. I put Adam Thielen. Thielen. Yeah. Um. I I, mean, I Julio Jones. Him, I, I guess. Uh, I guess. Yeah. Like Ayuk, I wouldn't put him above. No. Um. um Godwin. Godwin. Yeah, Godwin. I would take Godwin over OBJ. Yeah. But, yeah, like, he's he's up there for sure. I think the thing about Odell, though, is that he's so dynamic in the, in the fact that he can run the ball. He just doesn't get that much of an opportunity. And he, he can throw it with the best of them, too. <laughs> I, I wonder if the Rams will bring out any trick plays in the, in the Super Bowl. I mean, no McVay, he probably will. McVay's yeah. kind of flamboyant like that and also Odell has only been in LA for like eight games so if yeah. he was there the full season who knows well Robert Woods is also there so yeah I don't know but that's another um, a situation that I wonder if is Odell going to resign and with that what so. position would he have with Woods being there obviously I, I think, think I think, he, I, think he's back. I think he's yeah. gonna come back because he's he's comfortable in LA you can tell he just yeah. loves he loves being in a big market New York LA he's been wanting to go to LA since he wanted out of New York so, mm-hmm. um, yeah, it's a perfect place for him. Yeah, it's good to see. But we'll move on to the, the Niners and the Rams. They were the primetime game on Sunday. What were some of your takeaways? What do you think about this game? The Rams were kind of shooting themselves in the foot all game until like eight minutes left in the fourth quarter where they just kind of flipped the switch. It yeah. was kind of like an NBA switch where like, Remember Golden State, they would struggle for a couple games, and they just flip the switch and they blow a team up by fifty. Yeah. That's kind of what they did here. Like, they 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 started off kind of hot. They threw the interception and they came mm-hmm. back with a touchdown, went up seven, gave up seventeen unanswered, and then after the Jaquiski Tart um, drop pick, it just felt like okay, now now we're just gonna beat you guys. Yeah, like it's it that it's hard to I explain. Like that... But I also I want to say like Jaquiski Tart, I love how he took like accountability for it mm-hmm. but like i hope he doesn't like this doesn't define his career because yeah, he's been a he's nice probably. player like he, he's 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 kind of like consistently gotten better he's been there for five years and i just hope he like this doesn't affect him like i hope this isn't what Mentally. he's known for the rest of his career because yeah. like marcus williams he's a good player but he's always going to be known for the minnesota miracle mm-hmm. and missing the tackle on on digs yeah. like it, it it is his fault that he dropped the pick but i don't think the game came down to that one play there was still nine minutes left i don't think it came down to that play but i think it played a big part and it was kind of an i think it was an eye-opening moment for at least matthew stafford because that was a moment where he threw that ball and he went the game could have completely shifted there they could have taken it the momentum would have, would have been yeah the momentum would have completely shifted the the, the niners already had the three-point lead they would have been able to march down the field possibly for another field goal. That was a moment where I think Stafford just went, oh, my gosh, I just got saved there. It's time to buckle down and make some throws. And right after that, I mean, he couldn't be stopped. So I think that was huge 
and and I think it was a it didn't take the momentum away from the Niners but it really it was like a punch to the gut it was just like oh this is going to be so much tougher now we had it and you know we gave it away and I, I hope this doesn't hurt his legacy he's a, he's a young guy he's going to be able he's going to be in this league for a while and he's going to make big plays and the Niners are going to be a perennial competitor so He's going to have a lot of opportunities to redeem. And the only way to rectify it is to getting back to this moment and you have to make a play. Like that's the only way yeah. you're going to be able to get rid of that memory in your own mind, your team's mind and your, in your fans mind. But yeah. Um, other than that, also the, the Rams were kind of, they made those same type of mistakes that, that dropped a uh, touchdown by Speronic. I think that's how you say yeah. it. Wide open. He just dropped it. Cooper cup had a drop in that game. Like, yeah, they were making very uncharacteristic mistakes. Um, like the Rams didn't play really a good game. They only played a really good last eight minutes. Yeah. <laughs> it's pretty remarkable. I mean, they, they did not, they didn't run the ball well throughout the entire game. They got a couple, they got a couple good bursts throughout the, in the last couple of minutes, but they, they were getting shut down and that, that's going to be tough for them against the Bengals as well, because we know that D line is going to be stopping them. So it's going to have to be the, in the air that they take this game. But yeah, was, I mean, we said was really, I mean, go ahead. No, I was just going to say Garoppolo, two touchdowns, got the loss. It is insane how when he throws two touchdowns, he can't win. But when he throws none, he can't run the ball. It's, no, if, if the 49ers can't run the ball, you, you're going to win. Yeah. They only had 50 yards rushing this game. R- running the ball is 75% of their offense. Went, and what I mean by that is like they don't run the ball 75% of the time, but everything plays off of the run. The Debo Samuel end arounds, the, the play action game. That's what Shanahan's offense is, and if you yeah. and if you control the run, you beat them because everything plays off of that. So if you stop that, then nothing else is going to work. Yeah, and I also find like Garoppolo, he's not. I wouldn't say he's a guy that plays scared, but it seems like he doesn't want to run. There's a lot of times where he's got an open lane and there's no one downfield, and he won't make a move. I think he had one rush for four yards in this game. Uh, the 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 play it came down to obviously was the pick at the end a huge rush by Donald to 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 nearly bring him down and obviously throw the ball away it's a tough play because it tips off the guy's hands another tipped interception but you know it was a high throw and a tough throw but he had the opportunity there you know the pressure was the the pocket collapsed they're coming from the middle and they're coming from the his right side he had that whole left side open there wasn't a single player over there by well, obviously like where the pick was but he he had room to get at least five or six yards where he could have run it out, got a close to a first down. Instead, he panicked. And that's something that, you know, you can't be, if you're in the NFC, or NFC championship game, you can't be panicking. Every other quarterback in these games, they seem so calm and poised to be a game manager. And Garoppolo is the one guy who used to be the game manager the most. He's the guy that can't make a mistake. And unfortunately it did come down to his mistake that lost them the game. But I mean, I think he gets a little overhated. I think Garoppolo played pretty well. Yeah. But, I mean, overall, I, overall, he didn't have a bad game, but he didn't move the needle at all. Yeah. And also, I want to talk on Kyle Shanahan. Like, he's an amazing coach. Like, he's a top five, top ten coach in the NFL. Like, I'm not debating that. But now you have the Super Bowl against the Patriots when you when he was the offensive coordinator in Atlanta. Obviously, we know what happened. Blown a 28-3 to lead. Then you have the the blown lead in the, the Chiefs Super Bowl up 20 to 10, lose that one. Now you're up 17 to seven in the NFC championship game and you blow that too. Yeah. Like I was talking about Andy Reid earlier about him kind of having a history of, of blowing leads. And that's what Shanahan's, he's kind of building up a legacy of blowing leads. Yeah. And we touched on it a little bit a couple of weeks ago when they beat the Cowboys. And I said like, 
he never finishes games comfortably. And I don't know what it is. Maybe he gets too conservative. I don't know. I honestly don't know what it is. Uh, like in the Atlanta Super Bowl, it was he was too aggressive and he wasn't conservative enough. And I don't know. He's just – I don't know what it is. I really don't. But I think it needs to come into question, like what – he needs to figure out how to finish games better. And if he does that, then, you know, he would have at least two Super Bowls at this point. Yeah. And maybe going to a third. It's true. Yeah, I, I feel like this was – this was the Niners game to win. It really was. Because, yeah. Like you said, the, the Rams really didn't show that competitive nature until the end there. And there was a lot of times where the Rams even had chances to get back in the game and they, or not get, get back in the game, they're always in the game, but they, they had opportunities to pull away and they just, they couldn't do it. And I think that's kind of been a trend for them in these playoffs. They've had, they've, it's been very close. They've had to keep it close where now with the Bengals, I this game I, I I really don't know which direction to lean. I think it's going to be a close game regardless. But hmm. just the way both teams are coming in, it, it seems like an offense versus defense kind of game. But we know what both teams can bring on the other side of the ball. Yeah, on paper, I think the Rams just outmatched the Bengals. If you just look at it on paper, yeah. but I mean, I saw I saw a meme the other day. It was like a checklist, and it was like the Rams like better better offense, better defense, better line, better everything. And that's why the Rams would win and why the Bengals would win. It was just a picture of Joe Burrow. Like that's really, I mean, on paper, this kind of looks like a mismatch, but it's not going to be. I think it's going to be a very close game, regardless of who wins. Yeah. Um, I think the matchup to watch is the, the, the Rams defensive line and pass rushers against the Cincinnati offensive line. Cincinnati yeah. offensive line played well last week. Like you said, I think they gave up only one sack. But then we saw what they did against Tennessee. Tennessee had nine sacks. And I think this pass, the Rams pass rush, the way they're playing right now is a little bit better than Tennessee. Cause you had Jeffrey yeah. Simmons and Harold, Land Harold Landry who are both great players, but now you have Vaughn Miller and, and Aaron Donald who are yeah. both playing amazing, have had great playoff runs so far. And you have Leonard Floyd on the other side as well. Yeah. Um, I just think that's what the game is going to come down to. Um, how well can the, the Bengals block, uh, the Rams pass rush. Um, and if they can do that, then, you know, we'll see what happens, but. Yeah. Honestly. It's going to have to be a lot of like, just like the Chiefs games, a lot of quick throws from bro. I think it was like 14 to 19 with two touchdowns on quick passes. And that's going to be the same thing. He's not going to have a lot of time in the pocket. So they, they have to, obviously you can have that deep threat going downfield. There's got to be those options in the area. I, I'm assuming Mixon's going to get a lot of action on both sides of the ball this game. He was, he was another player that, it, you know, he doesn't get, too much praise, but he was a huge factor in that win over the Chiefs. Just getting a couple big bursts uh, run. Obviously, in overtime, he's you know provided them the setup for the field goal, so he's going to be a big factor in that game. But yeah, it, the 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 interior force of Donald and the outer forces of Floyd and Miller, are, they're going to be running rampant. And then that that Jamar Jamar versus Ramsey matchup is massive because obviously Chase didn't have a huge game in the AFC Championship. He had a good cornerback on him, but now he's got potentially the best in the league. So that matchup's going to be massive for him. Hopefully, you know, Chase is going to be able to get off some some big plays. But it's going to, I think it's going to come down to Higgins and Boyd for this offense yeah. because it, you know, it's going to be just so tough. Well, the Rams play a lot of zone coverage. Like, they don't really play man like that. When they do, Ramsey will obviously be on Chase. Or I would even argue that put him on Higgins and then double-team Chase when you're in man coverage. 
Yeah, I feel like I don't. I I don't know. If, be the best um, I don't know if I'm overthinking it, but I don't think Ramsey's really a good matchup, or Chase is a really good matchup for Ramsey. So Ramsey's a big physical corner. Chase is big-ish, like he's about six foot, over yeah. two hundred. But he's he's a shiftier receiver. That's kind of what he is. Um, and he can obviously high point the ball. He can he can do all that. But he's kind of an all around receiver. But I think his shiftiness will cause Ramsey problems if they were to play man coverage. I don't know if I'm overthinking it, but I don't know. Just from an outside I, looking in, I the feel more like you say it. I think Higgins is a better matchup for Ramsey and just take him out of the game. Yeah. And double team Chase and kind of make it um like a Tyler Boyd or make Burrow choose. Yeah. Yeah, I think also because Jamar's hands are so great that like it's it's a lot tougher to hit the ball out of his hands. Whereas Higgins, he's a bigger body. So that's that's already better for for Ramsey being a physical a back. Yeah. And I think he's got more opportunity there to to knock the ball out or just to get in front of him alone because you know Chase is so shifty that he's he's a lot of the time he's easily able to get in front or he's able to decept it to get behind. Yeah. I also think that the the Rams run defense the way them they've been playing, I think this is gonna be one of those games where Burrow's gonna throw it like 50 times. Yeah. I the Rams run defense, they shut down the Niners, they shut down the Bucks, um, and they shut down the the Cardinals run game. All of them. So that they're coming in hot on defense specifically the run defense and they can rush the passer rush the rush yeah. the passer so I that, that is though I, I i could absolutely see burrow throwing 50 passes and that's what worries me about this game is because that that reminds me of last year's Bengals team of not having too much of a run game obviously mixon was a lot more inconsistent back then and just having to air it out almost every single play because there was no option first two downs now it's third and eight and they got to throw it downfield if they're playing like that, then it, I think it's the Rams are going to run away with this game. It's got to be, you know, a good balance of running and, and passing, but it's going to be so tough because the Rams defense just isn't going to allow for it. Yeah. But with this Bengals defense, I, I kind of see the same thing. Is there's not obviously you can pick pick apart some of the players on that defense just being stars, but they have that next man up mentality of every single guy on this team is is got the exact same mindset of Joe Burrow. You know, you call him Joe Sight, you call him Joe Sicey and. He's this guy that everybody loves to watch. But every single player on that Bengals team has that mentality of, we are not the underdog. We are coming to the Super Bowl, and we're going to play some good football. And I absolutely love to see it from the Bengals, even though they're going to take over that division. It's kind of, It kind of reminds me of when the Eagles won the Super Bowl. Remember? Because Wentz went down, and then they were, the, they, were the, they were the number one seed, and Atlanta was the number six seed. And they were playing Philadelphia in Philadelphia, and Atlanta was favored. And they kind of had like that underdog mentality, but they didn't think they were. Like they yeah. were the underdogs, but they didn't, they didn't have that mentality. They embraced it. Like we saw Lane Johnson with the the dog mask after the game and all that. But they embraced the idea of like, okay, we're being doubted, so we're just going to prove everybody wrong. And I think the, the yeah. Bengals are kind of doing the same thing. Mm-hmm. The Bengals for sure. The Bengals run reminds me a lot of the Habs in the NHL playoffs last season. Because, you know, going up against the Leafs, obviously the Leafs are never that team to advance the next round but at least we're the the the, the favorite the Habs go into that series as the underdog also down 3-1 but they recognize exactly what they have like the Bengals do the Bengals see they got a good d-line they got some solids you know cornerbacks and safeties obviously Joe Burrow's our guy we got a three-headed monster at wide receiver and a big player at tight end with, with the Habs they knew we got a goalie that's going to shut down every single player that comes and we got a good defense in front of them that's not going to allow them to even take shots so you know 
everyone else will look at these two teams as underdogs, but you know, if you know exactly what you have and what you want in the future, you're going to go out and get it. And to have that mentality, it can take you so far, but like the Habs, they come up against the Tampa Bay lightning who are an absolute powerhouse, the NHL, and they lose that series in five. It could be a lot of the same here in the Super Bowl, but the Rams, they're one of the best built football teams I've seen. And they got a great coaching staff in front of them. It's going to be very tough for the Bengals. We're going to make our full predictions next week because we have a very special yeah. guest lined up. It's going to be legendary. But um, before we wrap up, Brady officially retired. We talked about it a little bit last week. And yeah, um, I'll start it off. I kind of hate that it got leaked by yeah. Shafter and, and Jeff Darlington on the Saturday. Because um, I feel like he's just kind of owed. Brady is kind of owed his kind of to have it his way and like hit, retire on his own terms. Because I feel yeah. like he had something planned. Like, I don't think it was just going to be an Instagram post a couple days later. And I also don't think that if it didn't get leaked, he wouldn't have posted the following, what was it, Tuesday? Yeah. Uh, this past Tuesday. I don't think he would have retired. I don't think he would have announced it that early if it didn't get um, reported on, on Saturday. So I kind of feel bad in that, in that standpoint. Like, I wish he had his own chance to, you know, call a press conference or release yeah. a video or – I know I'm pretty sure his documentary got postponed like his last episode. Maybe he was going to announce it on that. I don't know, but I wish he kind of had his own way of, of retiring rather being leaked. Yeah. Like I know it was just Schefter doing his job and he's phenomenal yeah. at his job, but I feel like in that moment, he should have recognized, you know, this is Tom Brady. This is the goat. He should go out on his own terms. And now that I even think about it, just the fact that the documentary is out, it kind of made it, a little obvious that he was going to retire at the end of this season because he had mentioned a couple times, you know, how he could play forever, but he also at times was talking about his family and his kids and he's got this documentary as well. It kind of did seem like it was going towards that direction of him retiring. Yeah. I'm surprised I didn't pick up on it sooner, mm-hmm. but yeah, I, I felt bad that it couldn't be him to be the guy to, to make the message, but it was nice of him to, to come on after the fact and, and talk about it. And I loved the reaction of all the players like Jalen Ramsey mentioning, you know, his last touchdown was on him. Yeah. yeah, that was fun. So, you know, I, I love seeing the players give kudos and he is the greatest of all time. And what I keep thinking about, because, you know, a lot of the talk have been, you know, the new the new quarterbacks in the league and mixed with the old, obviously the old, we had, you know, Brady, Rodgers, the two Mannings, Breeze, Rivers, all these guys. And there are set up replacements for them with Mahomes, Allen, you know, the list goes on with Herbert and Burrow and everyone else. So yeah. the league is in a very good place right now, but to see Tom Brady go, it, it it really does hurt. Yeah, because he's been here our whole lives. So, mm-hmm. like, we've kind of only known the NFL with Tom Brady. So, it's going to be weird. But it's interesting you brought up, like, the new generation. Because I feel like growing up, like, we would watch these quarterbacks and be like, how could it get any better than this? Yeah. And then I'm not saying those guys are going to be better. But I'm just saying, like, the amount of talent that they have, they have all the potential to be just as good. Yeah, Absolutely. Maybe not eight Super Bowls. I don't think anybody's in. Yeah. Or seven Super Bowls, sorry. And 10 appearances, but we will see. Yeah. We shall. I also, before we wrap up real quick, I do find it kind of fascinating. It's a lot like LeBron and Kobe in the NBA. The fact that we never got a Brady Rogers Super Bowl or a Brady Breeze Super Bowl. There were so many matchups that obviously these guys were, you know, perennial contenders and they just never seemed to match up against each other. Just like Kobe and LeBron. It's kind of fascinating to me. We never got a matchup like the only matchup we got that was like two 
for sure Hall of Fame quarterbacks was our first ballot, like all time greats was Peyton Manning and Drew Brees. Yeah. If like off the top of my head. I mean we got we had Eli Manning and Tom Brady, but it's like yeah, we had Tom Brady, we had Eli Manning. Rogers. Yeah. I know Eli Manning won both, but like come on. It was the same. Rogers, Big Ben, like it was a good matchup, but it's kind of the same with every sport almost. Like I think of hockey and well, we got you know, Brady Pittsburgh Mahomes and, at least. We got Brady. Yeah, Mahomes. we got Brady Mahomes. That was that was one of the better ones you could possibly get because I think when Tom Mahomes' career being over, I think he'll be number two. But it, it is crazy. Every sport like Pittsburgh, Chicago, both were, and even the Kings, all teams that were making runs at the same time, and they never played each other. Like, yeah, it's it's just so weird how that works out, and that I mean. That's sports for you. It's it's completely unpredictable. You could have we missed out on league. we missed out on Lakers Miami when LeBron went yeah. to Miami on a year like they just won back to back titles and then mm-hmm. they just didn't match up. But yeah, it's crazy, it's crazy. crazy yeah. Still haven't. I don't know. We might not even holy. We might not even ever get Lakers Nets, and that's what we've been waiting for for two yeah, years. I'm, yeah, ever since K- we KD and LeBron haven't played each other since Christmas of 2018. That's crazy. That's so crazy. And they're huh. the fact that they're still both in that MVP conversation. Yeah. Like I don't know about Katie you know. now because yeah, he's, he's falling off a bit. But LeBron, I mean, he's having one of his best seasons we've ever. He's seen. also been out a couple of games now. Like it's, it's everybody's getting injured. Yeah. But we need to wrap up because we'll, we'll keep going for like a half an hour. <laughs> uh, but uh, thank you guys for watching. Thank you guys for listening. Make sure to like the video, subscribe to the channel if you haven't already. Comment down below and we will see you all next week. Take it easy. Stay well. Peace.